Swedish Melodifestivalen in the 60s wasn't spoiled with modern pop music, but in the end of the 60s death began to change and in 1968 the most modern song of them all won the contest. The singer was pretty unknown for the big audience, but that changed over one night. The single sold gold in a few days in Sweden and also became a huge hit in Norway. It has been over 50 years since the sex symbol Klaus Johan Hederström took Sweden by storm, but now we want to know what has happened since then, how come the song was given to him and what does he remember from London in 1968. I'm your host, Emil Lövström, in color, and this is Eurovision Legends. Welcome to Eurovision Legends, Klaus Jan Hederström. Thank you, Emil. How are you doing? I'm very good, and you? I'm fine. It's a little bit early in the morning for me. <laughs> Barely awake at 12 o'clock. I'll manage. <laughs> uh, at 21 years old, together with Mona Westman, you made your premiere on the Swedish radio chart Svensk Toppen with the song Nånting Fånigt, a cover of the monster hit Something Stupid with Nancy and Frank Sinatra. I love you. How did you get into the music business from the beginning? Uh, oh, that's a long story. Can we take the his pitch version? All right. My brother uh, had started a, an orchestra, a band in, in our cellar at home. And he wanted a singer. That's a short story. <laughs> okay. Can we take it a little bit longer? He asked me. I was in England at the time. And uh, he visited me in Luton, Luton, England, and uh, on a lawn in Luton, he asked me if I, if I could join the band. And I said yes, because I, we, we've done some music together at home, my brother and I, so I, I was familiar with, with this band. I have heard that you used to be a very honest car dealer, perhaps the only one in the world before. Where have you heard that story? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us. Well, I was employed at the GM company and uh, a couple came and wanted to have a, a van. And I knew, I saw, saw at the, that they had uh, very little money. <laughs> so they chose a, a very cheap car and uh, the deal was... It was all right, but at the last moment I said, don't buy that car because it will run for a few months and then it's ready for the scrapyard. So you quit your job as a car dealer and ended up in a Swedish pre-selection in 1968 with a song written by Peter Himmelstrand. Swedish television chose you to compete before you had a song. How come? Uh, not really, because uh, I was at the record company and the the manager of all the songs and arranger was the conductor of all the songs in the contest. So he chose me. And he also chose the rest of... We were three singers from the same company, I think. I believe it was uh, Tuva Karsson and Mona Westman. Yeah, that's right. 
Do you remember any of the other songs you chose from? And was it up to you to choose the song? It was up to me, but the song, there was, it was only determined that this was the song. Okay. So I had, I had no saying. <laughs> but but they, they knew what they were doing, so. Uh, and the songwriter Peter Himmelstrand competed with two more songs, as we said before. It was uh, Tova Karsson, Du vet vad jag finns, and Mona Westman, Gå och göm dig, åker tråk. And that song later became a success in Sweden too. Du vet var jag finns När du ångrar dig När du känner sakerna den This wasn't the composer's first attempt in a contest since he got an honorable third place the year before with the evergreen Alla har glömt, sung by Tova. Oh, I remember that, yes. In fact, Peter Himmelstrand was a really big deal back then and for the following years. How come you ended up working with him? Uh, that was the record company, Mats Olsson, the conductor of the old venue, was a friend of his. And they had done many songs together. Det börjar verka kärlek is a true classic in Sweden and I think a big part is the rather special lyrics. What do you say, shall we do a little translation of some of the more iconic lines for our non-Swedish listeners? There is a, a, an English lyric to it. Yes. But that doesn't resemble anything, I think. Exactly. I, I translate now directly from Swedish. All right. Last night I went with you on a sad movie, though I wanted to see Bang Bang. And then I sat and listened to a string quartet. I just like Dang Dang. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe I shall make clear here that Bang Bang is like a cowboy movie and not a Bang Bang movie. And Dang Dang, that's onomatopoetic for a distorted guitar, I think. Yeah. What are your personal favorite line in the lyrics? There aren't any favorites. But you like the lyrics? Yes, yes. How did you react when you first heard the song? I don't remember, but I don't think I reacted in any special way. That, that was just another song. It, it wasn't until I heard the arrangement that it clicked, so to speak. So you didn't hear from the beginning that, oh, this this a hit? No. What are your memories from the pre-selection? 
it was over half a century ago, so my, my memories are very vague. It's, <laughs> it's all a blur. <laughs> Do you remember who your competitors were? A few of them. Uh, Svante Tureson, and they had me as a, as a winner of this. They said, told me that you're going to win. Yeah. And they were right. <laughs> uh, do you remember who you thought was your biggest competitor? Or did you think that you would win it yourself? I don't remember any thoughts of that, really. It, it came as a surprise when I won. So it, it never occurred to me that I might win. I, I don't think so. Were there two points more than Svante Tureson, who won two years before? And his song, Du en vår vind i april, you won the contest. What happened directly after this victory? A lot of press attention and a lot of photo photographers yeah. and chaos and chaos. And then I went on a tour. Eurovision in, in 1968 was held in the Royal Albert Hall in London since Sandy Shaw won the year before with Puppet on a String. And the first time it was broadcast in color. Yes, but not in Sweden. I have vague memories of that too. I remember the, the Albert Hall, of course. Yeah, I remember uh, the first rehearsal, we were last at that day, so the musicians were very tired. And the drummer, who has an important role in the intro, bop, 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 and he played it wrong. And Mats Olsen, our conductor, lowered his voice and said, you have to do that again. And then he played again, and he lowered his voice even more and said, if you play that mistake again, I'll have another drummer in your place. And that was a um, signal for everyone. So they played like nobody's business. So even the, um, I think it was a saxophonist, he uh, stood up and <laughs> played an ad lib in the middle. That wasn't in the arrangement. That was quite fun. Uh, and they seemed to like the song after that. I remember that uh, Cliff Richard kicked me in the ass for good luck. That's about it, what I remember. But not any 52 years ago. I know, I know. And I'm 75 now, so my memories are fading away. Two days before the contest was held, Martin Luther King was killed. Do you remember that? Yes. Did that affect the atmosphere in the hall? No, I didn't notice that. They were all concentrated on what they were going to do, so I don't think the outside world existed, really. You mentioned Cliff Richard here before, who uh, sang for United Kingdom, and he was tipped as the winner beforehand. Yes. But you were one of the front runners too, according to the betting odds. Did you feel the pressure? No. <laughs> Not at all? I was young and innocent, and I thought oh, everything was just fun, so I didn't. And I noticed that Cliff Richard was very nervous. Because it was his home field, so the pressure was on him. Congratulations and celebrations When I tell everyone that you're in love with me Congratulations and jubilations I want the world to know I'm happy as can be Did you have a personal favorite yourself of the songs? No. You performed in a black suit in silk brocade with a tie from fashion designer Yves Saint Laurent. That sounds yeah. expensive. No, uh, I didn't pay anything, so it wasn't expensive for me. It was stolen from me a long time ago. I had it stored in a cellar somewhere and we had a break-in. 
Okay. Uh, do you remember who made your styling? Yes, I remember. It was uh, Janne Haldoff's wife. Janne Haldoff, the, the film director. Did you have anything saying in the in the choose of uh, the outfit? No. <laughs> Did you personally like it? Yes. Yeah. With 15 points, you got a fifth place, which was Sweden's third best result since the debut in 1958. Were you satisfied with that outcome? Yeah, I didn't have any expectations, so it was all right. And the fir- and I was the favorite in the green room. I noticed. By, by the other artists. And the, the first point that ever was uh, given was given to Sweden. And everybody said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember anything special from the green room that you can share with us now? I remember that, uh, I think it was Ireland, who with one point passed me. And that was the last votes of the competition. And we exchanged smiles <laughs> at one another. What was your opinion about the winning song from Spain? I think that was a knockoff, so to speak, of uh, With a Little Help of My Friends, if you remember that song. Yeah. They just almost stole the whole song. That That's that's my recollection. I know, don't know if that was right. Would you believe in a love of And I thought that the best song was Cliff Richard. Now I remember. And that was the hit of Europe after that song. Absolutely. Do you remember the reaction in the green room when Spain won? No, I don't have any recollection of that. At least it has uh, easy lyrics. Oh, la la la, all right, yes. <laughs> Several covers in Swedish of your song have been made since 1968. And did you know that it has been covered in Finnish, Danish and drum roll, please? <laughs> Persian. <laughs> no, Persian as well. Yeah. Muut pojat lähti toissa illan pirskeisiin, minä vain en mennyt mukaan. Ja sä opkonvasiroi Antti Eetronö, metin muussa, pint och artit. More than 10 years after your contribution, an English version of the song was released. How did this come about? Oh, what was that? What was that? How did that happen? I can fresh up your mind with saying the song ended up on an album released together with Alhambra in 1979. Oh, oh yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. That was a, a record we we made ourselves. Alhambra made ourselves. Yeah, and uh, that was why. 
And we had a lot of English covers on that, American covers on that record, I think. I don't remember, really. The lyrics of the song was completely changed. Yes. Who made the English lyrics? I don't remember his name. He's a music professor in Sweden. He was involved in uh, the Pirate Bay thing. Do you know who it is? No. He was a singer as well in... Uh, oh, the Don't say no, it's the end of the world. The caretakers, Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace, yes. And he's now a music professor in Sweden. And how did you get in contact with him? That was the record companies doing. How come it took 10 years to release an English version of a monster hit? Because uh, my record company at the time didn't release it. Mm-hmm. We, made, we made a version, but uh, never released it. I don't know why. But that wasn't the same version that later got released. No. The first version was exactly the same as the Swedish version. So. Okay. Would I change it? I said never. Whoever thought I'd have to eat my words? One sparrow could replace my nest of birds. But life's a funny thing. Like winter turns to spring. My time has come. My time has come. What happened after Eurovision? I mean directly after Eurovision. I went on a tour in the Swedish folk parks. Folk park, you know. And I had over 80 gigs in three months. And at the time, my memory was uh, incredible because I knew could point out every park I was in in the right order. And that was over 80 gigs. I don't remember now what I did last week, but then I <laughs> could remember eight, 82 gigs at the right uh, order. So. In a row. Yeah. In a, yes. Your next success in Sweden was a cover of uh, The Beatles. Oh, Hey Jude, yes. I think. And Obladi Oblada. Oh, that was it. Obladi Oblada, so How come the next song was a cover and not an original song? I don't know what they were thinking at the company. I had those ideas myself, so I just relied on the company. In 1973, you were back in the Swedish pre-selection. Was this your first attempt since 1968? Yes. Uh, composed by uh, a friend of mine, uh, the two friends of mine, Klaus Deed and, and Henkan Henriksson. This time the outcome wasn't quite as good as the last time you ended in an eight place. But yes. can you take us back to your memories from this pre-selection? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess you remember which which one and who came third. Uh, 
det was Malta who won, I think. Yes, later, was, later changed name to Nova because they couldn't compete with the this, this name of the country. Yes, and, the, and the, Abba was second, weren't they? No, they were third. They were third? Yeah. Who was second? I don't remember that. <laughs> Do you remember if you thought the best song won? I was a bit torn. I, I thought Malta Eleonora was, was a very good song. Yeah. And I thought Abba was a good song as well. I, I couldn't decide really. In the interval act in, in Melodifestivalen in 1991... You sang a rejected song together with the composer, your old friend Peter Himmelstrand. Do you remember this? Yes. <laughs> the song was called Gilla den här låten, snälla ni. Directly translated to Please like this song, pretty please. How come you joined the composer on stage and was it written for you from the beginning? No, it wasn't written for me. Uh, Peter Himmelstrand, I didn't know that I was uh, joining him. Oh. That came to, as a surprise because the uh, it was about Peter Himmelström really. So that was a plead from him that he wanted his songs to be to be recognized. Yeah, it was uh, self ironic on his side, and I and I turned up, and he was quite surprised because I was there in, very secretive. How was the, your relation with Peter Himmelström? Oh, uh, very good. Yeah, I liked him very much. I know that he sadly passed away a problem with his lungs. He was a heavy smoker. And uh, I know that he tried the best to get his friends to quit smoking. But you haven't stopped smoking, I hear. No. No? Why should I? I have no problems with smoking. It is so. It doesn't affect my voice at all. Uh, rumors say that you entered a song for the pre-selection this year, 2021. Yes, but that was never... They were No, the selection panel never chose it. No. Will you release the song? Uh, I don't know. They're talking about it. Yeah? And if they ask me, I say yes, but I don't know. Who did you write it with? I didn't write it. Yes, I... I, I some some lines I did write. The song was written by uh, Fredrik Ingo, the composer, and lyrics me and uh, Lars E. Karlsson. Was this the first time you submitted a song for the pre-selection in Sweden, or had you done it several times since 1973? No, it was the first attempt. Okay. You never got any more smash hits for the big audience, but are still remembered in Sweden as Mr. Bannemey. Why yes. you think you never got any more hits? Uh, it, it's hard to beat a hit like that, so I don't know, really. Because I hadn't any own opinion about what songs to record. That was up to record company, so I was in their hands. Was it a good record company? Well, I think so. I don't know. I don't have anything to compare with, so. 
What have you done since you cut back on your music career? Oh, a lot of things. I've been a, a teacher. I've been a furniture salesman. I've been uh, working at the docks here in Norrköping and a lot of things. What are you doing today in your life? Nothing at all. The thing I do best, that is nothing. Do you still watch Eurovision every year? No. A little bird whispered in my ear that you were a big fan of the Spanish song in 1983 that ended joint last with zero points. Yes, that was a good song. Quien maneja mi barca? I remember the, the title still. Why did you like this song? I think it was because there was a um, Arabic touch in it. Yeah, and, uh, you can hear that in Spanish songs. The influence of it was a bit different from the other songs. I don't remember the girl who sang it. I don't remember her name. Remedios Amaya. Amaya. All oh, right. Thank you so much for this nice chat, Klasse. All right. Thank you. And thanks to you, our listeners out there in the world. I hope you enjoyed this chat with me and Mr. Bannemey, Klaus Göran Hederström. And if you did, subscribe, like and write a review and tell your friends about Eurovision Legends. You find Eurovision Legends on Facebook and Instagram and all information's on my website, eurovisionlegends.se. This has been a joy, Klasse. That's for me too. Goodbye so long, old pals, I'll miss you so. But when you gotta go, you gotta go There's something driving me Life's come alive in me My time has come My time has come My time has come